You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Robin Lucas on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called Paper Doll Lena, and uh, this is a debut novel, and what an amazing novel to debut with. Uh, I love it. I know you're going to love it as well. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you for having me, Hank. I'm excited to have you. Uh, Robin, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Oh, I know exactly the answer to this. I was in middle school. Um, I think it was sixth. No, actually, it was fifth grade, um, and we had a writing assignment, and I was so into sci-fi back then because, you know, there was a Total Recall and Blade Runner and all these, you know, sci-fi movies. Um, that I grew up on, you know, Star Wars, um, Star Trek, that sort of thing. And I wrote this epic story (laughs) and it was sci-fi. I had cuts in it and like cut scenes to this and cut scenes to this year, (laughs) cut scenes to this year. I love it. I will never forget. I got like a B on it and I was crushed. And I asked my teacher, I said, what is wrong with this story? This is epic. This is going to be something someday. And she said, there was no continuity. I couldn't understand how you were going from one timeline to the next. And I'm like, it's sci-fi. People do that in (laughs) sci-fi. Have you never watched a movie, woman? (laughs) I know. And I was just crushed. I was absolutely crushed. Um, But I didn't stop writing, thankfully. That is amazing. So from... uh, Did... You said you never stopped writing. Did did that um, encourage you that, you know, uh, even though it wasn't, you know, the the ultimate thing, you know, that would that would find publication and all that? Did it give you the confidence that you could go from point A uh, to to point Z in a story and tell an entire story? No, it didn't give me any more confidence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I definitely did not stop though. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't give me more confidence. Actually, it kind of, you know, to have a teacher at that age tell you, uh, I just didn't get it. I uh, I don't think that's really a good story. I mean, that that crushes a kid, and it crushed me for a little while. But you know, I'm stubborn. I just I couldn't stop. You know, I just didn't share the stories. Then you know, I I did exactly what they wanted me to do in school. I I did the narratives that that they asked of me. Um, and I just sort of played it safe until, you know, a few years ago. Well, Robin, a lot of uh, authors that I talk to have, uh, you know, have this early desire to tell stories and, and to to be uh, writers. And then, you know, along that path somewhere, life gets in the way and, and, you know, you start having to pay bills and, you know, maybe raise a family and and all of that stuff. But writing has a way of coming back around and coming back into your life. And uh, what was that moment for you where writing came back around and, and, and you knew, okay, this is something that I, that I'm going to take seriously. And 
you know, maybe the first thing I write is not going to be it, but but I'm going to be pursuing that now. Wow. I believe it was 2009. I had just closed my business. Um, I got I had a product that I brought to market, had an amazing licensing deal. Um, It was during the hype of like the whole mommy millionaire phase where, you know, moms were inventing these great products and they were, you know, going on the as seen on TV type thing. Sure. And um, I ended up getting knocked off within about four months after my licensing deal. And it it crushed me. Um, you know, it, it ended up taking off and I had to close my business because of that. It was a product that was like unpatentable um, because it was a sewn product. But unfortunately, you know, it crushed me and I reverted into reading. Um, and a lot of things were going on in my life personally as well that I didn't realize, you know, was a negative environment, um, so to say. But I, I ended up just reverting inward. I, I read a lot. I, I dove right into books. It was during Twilight, so do not judge me. I inhaled all of the <laughs> no Twilight judgment. books. We did the whole midnight movie with my daughter and with all my girlfriends and everything. Um, you know, we were either Team Edward or Team Jacob. <laughs> and it. I took that as, you know, hey, you know what? This chick, she, she had a dream. She wrote a book. I could do that, too. You know, I've always wanted to, to write I think everyone probably had that idea back then. Um, So I just started writing. You know, I just picked up some stories that I'd always kind of jotted down and I actually typed them up in my laptop. And sooner or later, I just ended up writing. I was writing every week. I can't say I was writing daily, um, but I was writing weekly and I ended up getting up with a a few different groups. I think uh, Nathan Bransford at the time had a forum. I remember him. Yeah, I, yeah, he's a he's a treasured person in my life. He's wonderful, um, but I just poured myself in his forums. I I was like, you know what, I can do this. I I'm going to be published um, one day, and I participated in everything. I joined a few groups, um, and you know, hot air rises, right? It just brings everything up to the top, and and I got in with some really really great women who we were all writing for the same cause, writing for publication. Um, and one by one, each person started to get published and we were like, holy crap, this can actually happen. What? <laughs> this is real. You know, it, it takes that non-tangible aspect of publication into something tangible. Like, oh, wow, this is a girl that I knew. She had an idea. I saw her write it. I baited her book. I critiqued it. And holy cow, she has an agent. Holy cow. She saw, you know, sold a book. She sold three books. I know the story. I can do it too. You know, it actually makes it something that you can do. Right. Um, so that actually happened. Quite a few of my girlfriends ended up selling books left and right. And, um, and that just encouraged me. That just really encouraged me. So uh, I guess that's how I started, you know, writing again in my, in my adult life. Um, <laughs> but, you know, life does have a way of, of finding <laughs> Absolutely. Finding ways to detour you. Yeah. You made the distinction that you were writing for publication then. What was yeah. that a um uh was there like a defining moment for you where you were like, okay, I, I'm taking my hobby now and and I'm taking this seriously. I'm gonna I'm pursuing publication. Uh because you know, a lot of people will will work on a story and it's just their personal passion and they're just, you know, just kind of loving the process. And then publication is a thought that comes 
later, you know, when there's a fully formed thing and then they're like, well, what do I do with it now? What for you, what was that distinction? You know, I'm writing for publication. What did that mean to you? I've always wanted to share my stories. You know, um, this was before ebooks and all that, you know, where you can just self-publish. Uh, sure. You know, it was 2009, you know, 2010. Um, I've always wanted to hold my words in my hand. Um, and it's different from writing and printing it off at, at Kinko's back then. Um, <laughs> I'm telling my yeah. age right now, um, <laughs> but it's totally different, you know? Um, and honestly, as a stay-at-home mom, I was, I was technically a stay-at-home mom at the time. Um, I needed the validation because I was also in an abusive marriage. And I felt that if I brought, you know, this wonderful thing to my ex-husband, uh, husband at the time, that it would turn my situation around. It would make me relevant in the marriage. Um, that of course did not happen. It just abuse escalates. That's just what abuse does. Right. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, fortunately I, I was able to finish my stories. Um, I ended up landing an agent for YA. Um, I think it was finally in 2015 or 2016 or something like that. Um, but my book never got picked up. We went to acquisitions and there was a big shift in the market and, and it, it ultimately did not get purchased. So, you know, writers are an interesting bunch because you, uh, you know, spend months and months, sometimes years working on a project and it ultimately doesn't get published. It doesn't get picked up. And uh, instead of just saying, well, you know, that was a, a great thing to try. And, you know, and, and I'm sure there are lots of people that, that, you know, uh, give up after not reaching publication. But there's something about writers that just say, okay, well, I'll just make up another thing completely, you know, out of the ether and and try that. Um, what was it that kept you motivated and kept you pushing forward even when that book didn't get picked up? Naivete. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a valid answer. I, I don't think that I actually knew how to give up, um, in all honesty. It was just, you know, forge ahead. I mean, yeah, it blew the wind out of my sails. You know, it it knocked me down, um, but it didn't knock me out, so to say. You know, I, I needed that thing to pursue. I needed that end goal um, because of my situation. You know, I, I felt like I really needed that. Um, and I wasn't going to quit, you know, I mean, it, I, I did pause for a few months, um, but the stories were always there. The stories were always coming and I always had to, you know, purge them out at least weekly, you know, get them out of my system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, 
update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPens is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process. The concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and 3 acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Write. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000-word book, it's about two cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let PlotPens help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off PlotPens. PlotPens.com So when did Paper Doll Lena come to you? Um, you know, was was this the the next thing you wrote? Was it you know on on down the line? Of what, where did Lena come from? Oh boy. Well, um, my YA did not sell, and um, I was working on another YA, and I had revisions to do. And at the time, um, like like I mentioned a little earlier, I was in an abusive marriage, and um, my ex-husband would not allow me to re- finish the revisions. Um, and because of that, and because of a few other factors, uh, my agent ended up uh, severing our relationship. So I was unagented. I was kind of uh, in the pits of depression, um, dealing with some some depression. And Charlottesville happened in 2017. I think it was September 2017 or August 2017. Um, and I just really took it hard. Like I could not even process the fact that there were such horrible people, you know, states away. I mean, it, it just watching the news just really made it difficult for me um, to process. And I just, I went, I kind of reverted into myself again and I, I took out my laptop and 
I just started pounding away. You know, I just, I knew that there was a woman and she had a story to tell. Um, Somehow or another, it involved kids. Somehow or another, it involved meeting a celebrity. Um, Little by little, as I wrote the book, I slowly started piecing together some items in my life that were not normal. Um, And there was kind of a parallel, you know, to what I was writing and to what I was going through, you know, in reality. Um, and I ended up purging the book. Like I I wrote the book in about nine weeks and then I just sat on it for a little while and I chewed on it and I was like, there's something here, (laughs) you know, and I I had some beta readers and they were like, Robin, this, this is something, but is there something more, you know, is there something more that you're trying to say? And it took me a little while to process that. And it wasn't until, um, the, Wonderful. Uh, actually, two days before my birthday in 2018, I ended up having to take out a protective order um, against my ex-husband and um, my husband at the time. And that was really difficult. But, you know, I brushed off my story. I revised it and I sent it to an agent who had expressed interest in my writing previously. And she read it and she was like, wow, this is what I've been waiting for. And um she signed me by November, actually, which was really cool. That's fantastic. Um, before that that experience that that uh, you know kind of prodded Paper Doll Lena to come out, you were writing YA. Um, yes. Did was was this a a conscious shift in your writing when you started writing Lena? Oh, or was this just the 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 natural? Um, setting genre what would however you want to uh, differentiate between um ya and adult or, or or whatever did 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 those thoughts even come into your mind you know that that this is this book is going to be different from what i've been writing in the past actually yeah i always said i wrote ya because i did not feel comfortable writing adult books i didn't think that i was you know smart enough quote unquote um because I had a lot of things going on, you know, a lot of environmental um, things going on. And um, not that you have to be unwise or, or, you know, less intelligent to write YA. I just thought that I had more of a teenage voice um, in my writing. And, you know, writing women's fiction just really, it, it just, it amazed me. Like I was able to really have my voice, not necessarily the voice of a teenage character or a teenager that I was thinking about. Um, I was able to put my voice in there and every single book that I write now, there's my voice, you know, as a woman, as a woman who's experienced life, as a woman who's experienced certain situations. Um, And I just think it just makes my writing richer. Um, If I've, as someone who has uh, raised teenagers and uh, you know, when you spend a lot of your time with teenagers mm-hmm. and you're, you're watching movies with them and you're talking about books and just talking about oh, yeah. life. Um, a lot of that seeps in and that just, mm-hmm. you know, seems like, well, this is going to be the natural thing that I would write. And and sometimes you have to push yourself to get out of what, what would feel comfortable to get to what is, what feels true. And, you know, you're absolutely right because there was a lot of that going on. Um, I have two teenagers. I have a 19 year old now who's in her, uh, who's at college 
and I have a 16 year old son who is a junior this year. Oh, you were but, in the thick of it. Oh, I'm in, I love it. I love this. <laughs> oh my gosh. They are so much fun. Um, but when I was writing YA, honestly, I was writing books for them, books that they could read. Um, because this was before the whole, you know, we need diverse books type thing, right? This was before sure. Angie Thomas and before Kimberly Jones and before Nick, Nick Stone. Um, so I was writing books, you know, about black girls who are going to be spies, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> because that's what I thought would be, you know, my kids could read, you know, of, of you know, saving the world. Um, and that was fun. You know, I, I probably will go back to YA because I, I have a few, you know, uh, plot bunnies that I'd love to, to play around with. Um, but if I do, my daughter will most likely co-write it with me. Um, just because she, she loves writing herself and she's a brilliant writer. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I do think that it was kind of just a natural phase in my life to, to pick up women's fiction and just to, to tell the story that I needed to tell in my heart. So tell me about Lena. Um, when, when you started thinking about this story idea, did she come to you fully formed? Um, I, I know you said that you had a couple of ideas that, that started coalescing into this, but tell me specifically about the character of Lena. Um, how did she come to you? Mm. She came to me in a dream. Um, at the time, uh, 2017, um, my kids were working on an app. Um, it's a mental health app to date. I think they have like 130, 140,000 users. Um, and they launched in 2018 and it ended up kind of going viral, which is great. Um, but my kids were working on an app back then and I had the strangest dream one night. I dreamt, you know, about a woman in a green room watching her kids on TV um, and a celebrity just sort of walks in. And I was like, oh, I honestly thought it was going to be like a romance, right? Um, just straight romance. But as I was writing her story, it just sort of happened organically. And I hate it when people say, oh, the character spoke to me or, oh, yeah, it just happened. But I can honestly say this character just sort of happened organically because of what was going on in my actual life. Um, I sort I think of it kind of like a horcrux, right? It's like a little piece of me um, that I've, I was pulling from and I didn't realize it, uh, if, that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, the paper doll is a uh, is a, a fantastic metaphor for um, f- for what you're doing in this book. And, and um, w- when did that come to you, this this idea of Lena kind of considering herself a paper doll? And what what did that mean? Oh, boy. Paper is one dimensional, right? You can yeah. draw a stick figure on it. Um, and that stick figure is just on that that one plane. Um, and that's kind of how she felt, you know, because when you're being gaslit, when you're being um, coercively controlled, when your life is not your own, you ultimately feel one dimensional. You don't have your own thoughts. You don't have your own goals. You don't have your own um, ideas. You don't have your own wherewithal um 
so I thought about a paper doll and I was like, yeah, I mean, she's not a Barbie doll. <laughs> she's, she's a paper doll. She's beautiful. And she's just paper because, you know, paper can get crumbled. Paper can get torn. Paper can get shredded. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how that, that happened. Yeah. L- Lena, um, from, from what I've gathered from talking to you, um, mm-hmm. Lena and you share, um, some life experiences, some things that have happened. Um, how did, you know, when you're writing this, it, it, I'm, I'm assuming there was a, a bit of catharsis that starts happening when, when, you know, writing a different character who might have experienced some of the things that you've experienced. Um, but at, how does Lena um, differ from, you know, at what point in the writing did, did Lena become her own character and, you know, and she's going through her own experiences that may or may not mirror some of your experiences. Like, like when did Lena become a full character of her own? Oh, wow. Um, I think she just became a full character by when I was, as I was revising it, I, you know, cause I, I just, I vomited it out. Right. I word vomited for nine weeks. Sure. Um, you know, it was a long therapy session. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but afterwards, you know, when I started pulling it out little by little, I realized, Oh, okay. This, this is someone different. This is not my story. Sure. This is her story. I need to give her the page and let her tell her story. Um, and little by little, I noticed Lena was doing things um, I was writing. I'm not saying that she's like, you know, her own person. Um, but she was finding her voice a lot earlier. She was realizing who she was a lot earlier. Um, and as I wrote, you know, her finding her voice, I, you know, little by little found mine. Um, so it kind of became that sort of, of relationship, but, um, yeah, definitely during revisions, you know, when, when you're drafting, it's a skeleton. So when you start revising, you're adding the bones and the marrow and, and, and the muscles and, and life and you're giving it life. And, and, and that's sort of what happened when I was, um, when I was creating Lena, you know, in the revision type type cycle. You, um, you posted a video on Instagram uh, a few months ago, and it was you opening the box of your author copies uh, of the book. And, you know, I, I started crying with you, you know, watching this video. There's just something magical about you reaching in, pulling out this book that had been so much a part of your life. And just the emotion just took took you over what what was that moment like when when you opened that and held that that copy in your hand oh boy we were in a private room in Panera um no no at Atlanta Bread Company of all places <laughs> and I had um just a few of my my close friends and my kids um because you know some of my friends would like watch my kids when I was like I need to revise I need to work on this um, they would pick them up from school and that sort of thing. So I was like, hey, guys, I'll bring some champagne and we can just hang out. I did not expect to have the reaction that I rea- um, that I had. Um, I just wanted it videotaped kind of for posterity. Like, hey, mom is or- opening her first book box. Um, when I opened that box and I saw the covers and I felt it and I saw my name, Forty-two years of wanting 
just sort of came through, you know, it was just like taking a breath for the first time after you've wanted to breathe for so long. And I'm choking up right now. And I felt like in that moment, the little girl in me, that fifth grader who was crushed, that fifth grader finally got an acknowledgement. You know, that fifth grader is proud of the 42 year old woman, you know, like absolutely we did it in sort of a sense. So now that the book is finished and it's out, um, there's obviously probably a feeling of validation that, you know, this this journey has uh, produced the fruit that you hope that it would. Um, are, are you now thinking about, you know, where do I go from here? What do I follow um, this story up with? And, you know, is it ever a um, a feeling of, you know, uh, this this story was so personal and, and I felt so connected to it? You know, how how do you produce that again? Wow, I have not had that idea. Now, when we sold the book, we sold two of them. It was book one and book two. And um, book two is actually going to be Nancy's story. Nancy is Lena's best friend. So we're going to dive into her life. Oh, fantastic. Um, oh, I love Nancy. She is so much fun to write. She is definitely not me. Um, none of my personality because she's brash and she's, she is outspoken, um, but the name of her book is going to be Por- Porcelain Doll Nancy, because on the outside, she's just this hardcore, gorgeous, hard shell of a person, and on the inside, you know, she's she's kind of empty. She's had some things in her life um, that have has caused her to be really hard on the outside, so I'm really having fun actually writing book two right now. It is due September 6th to my editor. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in crazy writer mode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, and I have a book coming out next week. So yay, team no sleep. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I was reminded. Um, I was kind of having a panic attack and I was a little, I was freaking out a little bit. And uh, my boyfriend actually said, hey, take a deep breath because this is where you've always wanted to be. Right. And that just rang so true with me. I'm like, wow. You're right. I've always wanted to be freaking out about a book coming out. I've always wanted to be on deadline. I'm finally having those experiences. I'm just going to sit in it. I'm just going to go with it and just enjoy the feeling, you know, enjoy enjoy. every part of the process. Exactly. 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 That's so awesome. Um, That first book, like you said, you word vomited out in like nine weeks. Um, has, Has this process been different? Oh, boy. Um. If I'm going to be honest, I was supposed to start writing this book in April, um, according to my calendar. I, I made a calendar um, because I was finishing up like all the copy edits and all the yeah. 25,000 read throughs that I had to do with, with book one. So April, I set aside to start this book. I ended up losing my sister in April. Oh, I'm sorry. That just really it was like a gut punch, you know, because she was younger, yeah. much younger. And um, that really it hit me in a way that I was not expecting. And I did not open my laptop until July. So I am, I am purging this book for my system right now. I'm like writing like crazy. 
Uh, so yeah, it's going to be another quick draft and, you know, I'm going to have to send my editor some wine and probably some roses or something <laughs> as an apology for what she's about to get. Um, chocolate. <laughs> Don't forget chocolate. First, yeah. Some definite chocolate, maybe some treats for her dog, you know, there you go. There you um, go. it's going to be a clean first draft, but it is going to be a first draft, but you know, I shine in re revisions. I know there's some authors who are like, I hate revisions. I'm like, give me all the edits, please. And let me do by what I do best. Um, I would rather revise and edit than, than purge, than like free write. I, I just, I'm not, I don't know. I think it's just a mental thing when it comes to writing, but I love editing. I love it. I love it. Paper doll Lena, when you're hearing this, <laughs> Excuse me, I'll edit that. Um, Paper Doll Lena, when you're hearing this, is available everywhere today. You can go grab it uh, in yeah. paperback or in Kindle edition if you'd rather read on your Kindle or audiobook. Uh, it's available everywhere that you buy books. Uh, we're going to put links to it in the show notes. Also, go support your local bookstore. If your bookstore is open, go buy it there. Uh, Robin, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff you do, where can they find you online? Sure. You can find me at robinlucas.com. Uh, Robin with a, uh, with a Y, R-O-B-Y-N, Lucas, L-U-C-A-S.com. And um, I tend to put recipes up and different blog posts and uh, all my socials. Excellent. We'll put links to all those in the show notes as well. Robin, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you much, Hank. Uh, I, uh, thank you much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Doing four things at one time. Um, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time and, and I appreciate you having me on. Wargate Books presents Hit and Fade, Forgotten Ruin, Book Two, by Jason Onsbach and Nick Cole. Narrated for you by Christopher Ryan Grant. Chapter One. The army of the dead walked straight into our ambush east of Fortress Hawthorne. That's what the fob is called now, Fortress Hawthorne. Despite it being officially known as Forward Operating Base Hawthorne, as was originally intended when the 50 detachments of various special operations groups came forward through time from Area 51, a one-way mission to save Western civilization from a rampaging nanoplague destroying the very fabric of said civilization. Apparently, we overshot the temporal insertion point and stuck the landing. Sorta. About 10,000 years too late. Said civilization is now basically something straight out of Tolkien, or Dungeons and Dragons. Which we've all now gotten a lot more familiar with thanks to our resident expert and fledgling hedge wizard, the infamous P.F.C. Kennedy. But the Rangers... Just call it the FOB. The first of our explosives to ruin the leading elements of the Army of the Dead advancing on us? Claymore Mines, the recaptured forge back at Hawthorne, had cranked out in the weeks after we'd retaken it from King Triton, were fired by Ranger Sergeant Kang down there with the scouts and Captain Knifehand's assaulters. It was close to midnight when the front rank of bony warriors, carrying rotting shields and spears, eyes glowing malevolently in the deep night mist, advanced into our ambush, only to get ruined by the daisy-chained Claymore's sudden eruption. 
Above us, a cloud-shrouded moon cast a wan yellow light over the battlefield. The night was hot, and spring was coming on full now. The pilots who'd gotten us here in the grounded C-17 back at Ranger Alamo, using their meteorology skills, had guessed it was going to be a long, hot summer ahead of us, and an early one at that. But there was a cold shiver in the dark on your exposed skin that you couldn't quite explain when you saw the dead advancing rank after rank. The bone warriors carrying spear and shield other, darker creatures barely seen. The lower areas of the earth were graveyard cool and misty, so maybe that was it. Still, the brutal, unrelenting cold of our almost last stand back at Ranger Alamo was gone now. But not the horrors. There wasn't a night that some ranger didn't wake up out of a tormented sleep, breathing heavy, sidearms scanning the dark and looking for orcs and ogres to ventilate. I was sweating in the hour leading up to the attack, despite the night and the mist. Kurtz had us humping hard to get the 240 and all its ammo up to the top of a small hill that overlooked the area where we'd channel the advancing echelons of the Army of the Dead into further fun and games the rangers had planned at a bend in a riverbed. If the approaching army of the dead continued on their current course track, they'd enter it for a brief period. It was decided by the captain we'd kill them there. And I was sweating. Not because of fear. No, not at all. Firing whispered Sergeant Kang over the comm as he detonated the mines. And eight daisy-chained claymores spat thousands of steel balls all across the front line of what even I was still finding it hard to believe I was seeing through my night vision device. Skeletons. Warrior skeletons. Ancient warriors like something out of the Bronze or Iron Ages. Worked breastplates of molded plate or rotting scales, green and tarnished, stamped with the markings of fabled armies fallen in battles long, long ago. Leather cuirasses on some, rotting boots, helms with broken horns, missing teeth, tattered leather kilts, beads and charms dangling from bone wrists, enigmatic holy signs and primal torques black with grave dirt or from a funeral pyre long ago on some forgotten battlefield far from here, draped about the spine where the throat should be. Where it rises to connect to a bone-white skull that seems filled with malevolent purpose and diabolical intelligence. Malignantly so. Walking skeletons like something out of a Ray Harryhausen clay model Sinbad epic from the 1960s. Above, the sliver of moon gave enough light to strengthen our NVGs, making the night vision devices perform exceptionally well as we sprang our trap and watched the advancing elements get rocked by our initial high-explosive opening bid in the game we were about to play. The air was still and hot in the moments before the fight began as we lay there in the tall, sharp grass, waiting for it all to go down. I was thinking a hot, 
cup of coffee would be nice about now. Except my canteen only had cold coffee I'd brewed during the long, silent, and windy afternoon of preparation. Still, I was happy knowing I had some, rather than none. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no further than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical, yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.